Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. I don't know that guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Christian Killers. Man, we're so glad that you're here. May long weekend, and it's still 14 degrees. Man, this has been it's wonderful. You know, this was the past couple of days, Jamie and I had the privilege of going to Mexico, and uh, man, it was 32 degrees. The ocean was 28 degrees. I just, I bathed in the ocean. It was just fantastic. And so, you know, prior to that, I had the opportunity. I was in Vancouver two weeks ago. And I just want to give a big shout out. You know, there's a couple of people that came up and spoke. You guys, thank you so much. I watched y'all. You did it. You got some, we got some preachers in this house. And I was just so thankful for all those that came and, you know, just shared an experience of something. Man, you guys are just phenomenal. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for doing that. Uh, this, the Sunday that I was there was in Vancouver. And for those of you that don't know, we also have an organization called Impacting Canada Ministries. And what that organization is, is at the same time, it's a licensing ordaining body for pastors and ministers across Canada as well. Uh, we have 13 churches that are connected to us and 33 pastors that are in it as well. And then at the same time, five traveling ministers that travel throughout Canada, North America, and then we also have a few that go to Israel as well. And they're also part of the organization too. So that's kind of what we do on the side. So let alone not, we got a church family. This is bigger than what than what's just here. It's, it goes beyond these four walls. And it's, you know, it's going across Alberta. We got a church in Manitoba, one in Quebec as well. So it's wonderful to see what God is doing across this nation. I mean, oh, God is doing amazing things in this nation. I'm going to wait for y'all to get excited about that. I'm thankful. You can, you can watch, you know, CNN, constant negative news or whatever, and see what's going on, all the bad stuff that's happening out there. But I'll tell you, there is good things that God is doing on a regular basis. People, you know, receiving Jesus, people seeing him for who he really is and coming into the kingdom. It is amazing. So this is what we're part of, right? Right. Amen. Awesome. Well, if you got your Bibles with you, I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to just pick up on something, just start a little bit backwards and just kind of lay a foundation for the Christian killers. I mean, everybody already, you've heard a lot of different things and, you know, different testimonies and they're phenomenal. Those are good stuff. And we want to get into that as we continue to progress in this. But I want to just lay a little bit of a foundation as to why we're talking about Christian killers and really why is it that we want to avoid or at the same time have nothing to do with offense, bitterness, unforgiveness? Why we don't want that in our lives is not just because, okay, I want to be a good Christian and I, I got to just get rid of this stuff out of my life. It's bigger than that. We want to talk a little bit about who you are as a child of the Most High God. And these things, these killers try to attach themselves to our lives, taking us away from our primary identity as children of God. And so this is what I want to talk a little bit about this morning and just lay a little bit of a foundation again. And I'm sure you may have heard some of these things, but we never want to lose sight of things that we've heard over the years. Got to hold on to some of these truths that we've been taught. Can I get an uh-huh? Right? This is where we're going. And so we got to lay this solid foundation. Don't you just love Jesus? Aren't you grateful for him? Aren't you grateful for his word? And it's, it's truth to us, right? I mean, here at this church, we believe this word. We believe this is God's word that men of old wrote this as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it. So when we have these pages, this isn't just, you know, some guy's ideas of what he thinks God's like. We believe that this is God's word speaking directly to us. We can take this, we can apply it to our lives and see our lives changed based on what he said. Am I in the right church this morning? This is who we are. This is what it's all about. 
So if you get excited this morning, can I just encourage you, you are allowed to, right? If you want to just, man, this, this is who we are. This is, we're excited people about this Jesus. We love him. We are Jesus people, right? Any hippies back in the day remember that movement? The Jesus people movement? Well, this one, it's coming back. Not the hippie side of it, but Jesus people. <laughs> we are, we is Jesus people. Just say that to me. I'm a Jesus people. This is who we are. We talk about this man. We're in love with this white man. Why? Because he changed our lives. So in Romans chapter 10, let's just read this out. And I know these scriptures are familiar to you. And if you didn't bring a Bible, you can look on the screen with me. But Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this. If we declare, openly declare, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will what? Be saved. Verse 10 goes on to say, for with the mouth, or sorry, by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Now go back to verse 9 there for a second again. It says, if you openly declare, what does it mean to declare? To say, to speak it, to confess it. If you openly declare what? That Jesus is Lord. Amen. Let's say that together. Jesus is Lord. By openly declaring that and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. And that word saved is the Greek word sozo, and it means to be delivered. It means to be saved. Salvation, wholeness, wellness, healing, it's included in that word saved. But notice before, what comes before salvation? It comes just these words. We have to declare that Jesus is Lord. Now, how many of you have done that before? You've openly declared Jesus is Lord. Rock on. But what does that mean when he is Lord? Anybody know? He's the Savior. He's the, yeah, Savior, but what else? He is the supreme in authority. In our, in our language, we would say Jesus is the boss. So when you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, what are you saying over your life? Jesus is the boss of my spouse, <laughs> of me. He is my boss. So that means whatever Jesus thinks, I now think. Whatever he says goes. However, he wants me to handle the situation, guess what? His way is the right way. I think we got to get this because, you know, one of the things that, you know, when we were away, I had, some, I had some wonderful time reading on the beach. I just feel I can hear from the Lord so clearly in 32 degree weather. Anybody else can feel that? And, uh, you know, just a quick, I, I saw a little thing here. I got to see our beautiful Julian Price up front. And I saw one of the ways that he tans, and I appreciated the way that this guy tans. Any tanners out there, you just go out there, forget the sunscreen, man. We're just going to go out there, burn, turn red, but it eventually is going to turn brown. Anybody that likes tanning like that? Okay, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. So all you sissies, the rest of y'all, you know, that put that stuff all over. Man, and there was a guy, I told this last night, I thought it was so funny. There was a guy that was sitting across from us at the pool, and he lathered up. I mean, he took all, all this sunscreen, and he put it all over himself. And looking at him, he turned completely white. Like, he couldn't even go to the sun, and the sun still couldn't affect him. He was so white. Like, they say, you're going to the sun, ain't, son, you ain't doing nothing to me. And the sun's like, no kidding, I can't even get to you. Right? There's so much sunscreen. I went out day one, put a little bit on, just there's a few sensitive parts, but let's just, let's do this thing, son. Well, day one came, and it went, and it hurt. 
Did I regret it? Maybe for a second in the shower, because man, those showers sting afterwards. Basically, out of the 10 days we were there, I had two showers that were comfortable. The rest had just hurt, and I actually got a burn on top of a burn. It was a first-degree burn. Guess how brown it is now. I don't even care. It's all in the past. But was it uncomfortable? Absolutely it was uncomfortable. Now, how did I get off talking on that? What are we... I just like Mexico so much. I just really like it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Christian Killers, the sun, if you're not careful, can literally hurt you. But talking about Jesus is Lord, if we're acknowledging that Jesus is my Lord, he becomes my boss. So whatever he says, it goes in my life, right? We're, we can all agree to that. This is the thing, and oh, this is what I was saying. I can just hear the Lord on the beach. I got it. One of the things that he was just really openly sharing with me just talking about the lordship of, his, of himself being over my life. He wants to be your lord. He wants to be lord, but what does that mean? What does that look like? What is that? And that's what we want to talk a little bit about this morning, is just talking about what does it mean that Jesus is your lord? Because is, is he the lord of your life? That means he is your boss. And again, one of the things that the Lord just shared with me is, you know, Joel, I've actually, in some of the ideas and thoughts that I've had, I've actually put a Western culture on God. God is not Canadian. Hello. <laughs> he's not American. He's not North American. He's not a housing. And whatever your last name, he ain't that either. Right? God is God. He's got different thoughts. He's got different ways of doing things. And the wonderful thing about our God is, is he is willing to show them to you and I. Isn't that wonderful about our God? This is who he is. Come on, somebody. This is what he wants to do. He wants to reveal his thoughts to you. He wants to reveal his ways to you. But we have to allow him to be Lord of our lives, right? Okay. So again, by declaring that Jesus is Lord of my life, what are you saying? It's not that, okay, I'm not going to hell and I'm going to heaven. That's, that's a part of it. But that's not the extent of it. When Jesus is Lord, I am saying, Jesus, you're the boss of my life. I know I'm just reiterating myself. But why don't we say that Jesus... You are the boss of my life. What you say goes. Your thoughts are my thoughts. Your ways are my ways. My life is yours to command. He's allowed to boss you around. He has to be. We can't have a democratic mindset with God. He, this is not a democracy with God. It is a dictatorship. What he says goes and that is it. Done. Anybody ever said that before while you're babysitting or if you've got kids of your own? I find myself saying that a few times. Boys, this is not how we're going to be doing things. But Papa, this is... Boys, this is not... I did not ask for your ideas. This is a dictatorship. What's a dictatorship? Oh, you'll find out. <laughs> but I'm a wonderful dictator, right? My kids aren't here. I don't dictate my wife. No, this doesn't work that way either. We dictate together. <laughs> Unless I'm not wearing sunscreen, then she dictates to me how I'm supposed to operate in the sun. But with God, we got to get that clear. And another cool thing about it is, is when you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says it this way. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He took you out of that. He rescued from darkness. And what did he do? He transferred you into the kingdom of, your dear, of his dear son. Then it goes on, who purchased your freedom and forgave all your sins. He did all of this. So it's like, you know, uh, a big, you're, say you're on this big island, 
right? And, the, and your great, 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 great grandparents made a big mistake and an enemy got in on this island and started brutally massacring, killing people, doing horrible things, being a complete tyrant. And all of a sudden you have a rescuer that comes in to this island and absolutely destroys the enemy, rips all the power that he had. And he said, now it's available to you. You can now come and be part of my kingdom. And when you get to my kingdom, you got to live my kingdom ways. This is what it's like. You can't just, you know, I'm no, you're in no man's land. You know, you're either in one kingdom or you're in the other. In the kingdom of darkness, there are no rules, right? Darkness doesn't have to, you know, there's, there's no standard in darkness. But the moment you come over and jump ship and you hook up with Jesus, there is a brand new way of living and Jesus is the boss. You can't just be however you want to be. Come on, so you gotta, we, we got to get this. God is not saying, oh, just stay with your Canadian ways, be however you want to be. No, you are now part of the kingdom of God. There is a new way of operating. It's a brand new way. You better get on it. You better see it. Otherwise, the kingdom of God is going to be very frustrating for you to work out. So we got to understand how this works. And that's what I want to just lay out a little bit this morning is just talking about how it's going to be laid out. Right? We're all good on this? Okay. So what is the primary purpose for God coming to this island that we're talking about and saving us. What's his, what's his purpose? What's his original intent for you and I getting born again? The Bible tells these words and uses these words saying born again. Ever, you heard that, heard that term before? Getting saved. So we throw those Christian terms around a lot and just kind of saying, you got to get saved. Well, what does that actually mean? Get born again. Well, how do I do that? Well, first of all, we just read by declaring Jesus as Lord, you shall be saved. So by declaring Jesus as Lord, what is God's purpose behind all this, right? And Romans chapter 8, verse 29, and if you read all through Romans chapter 8, you find a very, very powerful verses of scripture that the Holy Spirit writes to us, just saying that even this whole earth that we're in, it's groaning, right? The earth is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. That's what this earth is waiting for. It's looking for it. And so right here we see this is God's original intention for you declaring Jesus is Lord. This is God's plan. Now you may have other plans and other thoughts. So oh, I'm declaring Jesus is Lord because I, I, I want to I be with him for eternity. That's, that's good. That's a great place to start. But let me just take you to a little bit of a higher picture and the purpose of your and my existence. Okay? You're not here just to do a nine to five job, get paid, do your thing, Go on a vacation in the summer, you know, hopefully May Long gets nice, I can camp. There's more to you than this, right? You, you got to see this. There's more to it than this. Your life, at some point, it comes to an end. Then what? Right? We got it. So we're living for something. Romans 8, 29 says his God knew his people in advance, and he what? Chose them. He chose you to what? Become like his son. This, sorry, this is good news. To become like his son. This is his original intention. This is what he wants for you and I, for our lives. He says, I want you to become just like Jesus. So why? So that his son would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. Verse 30 says, now he equips you for it. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. This is God's original intention. 1 John 4, 17 says it this way, the very last part of it. It says, because as he is, who's the he in that? It's cap capitalized. It's, it's Jesus. As Jesus is in heaven today, right now, so are 
we in this world. This is God's purpose. This is what he wants to do for you in my life. So we got to get this higher picture. You got to get a higher thought. So when these Christian killers try to attach itself, unforgiveness, bit, all these types of feelings that may come, and I understand there's a process. I'm not, I'm not denying any of those things, but I just want to show you the reason why these things try to attach themselves to us is to get us off of the main priority of why we're here. This is who you are. I am Jesus on this earth. He left and he gave me all power. He gave me all authority and said, you go now and proclaim this good news. I'll work through you. This is who you are. This is the design. This is what I do. So then the next question I have for us to answer is how do I become like him? Now, before I go into that, I want to just read you a couple of the verses. Uh, Psalms chapter eight, verse three through eight. I don't think I have that on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me there real quickly. Just to show you God's original purpose for you in my life psalm 8 verse 3 says this in the i have the new living bible it says when this is the the psalmist writing and he's just replaying one of one of the angels is saying and so he says is when i look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers the moon and the stars that you set in place what are mere mortals that you should think about them human beings that you should care for them verse five guys it says yet you made them who's the them us yet you made them you made us a little lower than god and crowned him with glory and honor you gave them charge of everything you made putting all things under their authority the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals the birds in the sky the fish in the sea and everything that swims the ocean currents this is your and my design god made you a little lower than himself think about that do you see yourself that way as a child of god this is who you are this is who you are you are a child of god made in the image of him God made you just as powerful. You're just a little bit underneath him. Wow. We got to get that view again. And I know just a cool thing. And I, I mentioned this, but uh, we had a gentleman come here and I, I just love this story because it just, it just shows us the authority that we have. And this got Mylon the favor. Anybody heard of Mylon? Yeah. Right back in the day, rock star. And uh, he preaches the gospel now. For those of you who don't know, he's, he's an amazing preacher. And uh, we had him in actually one time, and he shared this story with us. And just talking about, he was deep sea diving off the coast in Australia. And, uh, you know, one of the things they're doing, they're just, you know, scuba diving, going under the water, taking pictures, and, you know, just hanging around, looking at stuff. And he said, as he was taking a picture of another tourist or whatever, facing this way, he saw in the far distance kind of a dark shadow that looked just like a big fish. And so he kind of thought, okay, well, not, didn't think much of it. And, you know, taking the pictures and you know that all of a sudden this fish started coming towards them, not realizing it was a great white shark. So this great white starts swimming towards them. And he said, at that moment, fear tried to grip in. So he went down to go reach for his knife that he had by his leg. And as he did it, another one bumped him from his feet. A great white swam underneath him. And so now, <laughs> I mean, he's alive. So he, he told us a story. And so he... <laughs> Dory, it ends okay. It's not like Jaws. He's dead today. He's dead. <laughs> no, so he grabbed that. All of a sudden, fear just tried to come in. And he was meditating on these verses in Psalm chapter 8, 3 through 8. And he just said, Lord, you gave us authority over all of the oceans, the, the fish in the oceans. 
So he took authority underwater. He literally come against you, shark, in the name of Jesus. You aren't going to come here. And he just started speaking that. And all of a sudden, he's now got pictures with these sharks. He's hanging on to a shark, taking a picture. What is it? It's your God-given authority. These sharks can't bite me. People are friends, not food. And that's... <laughs> That's something I'd be declaring, man. <laughs> but it just shows our authority. This is who we are. Made under God. Made in His exact same image. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. And he goes on to say, For all who receive this grace. How many of you receive this grace? You've heard about Jesus and what he's done for you in my life. He says right here, this is his will. You received his grace. You will live in triumph over sin. You will live in triumph over death through this one man, Jesus Christ. He said that. So God's view of his kids, God's view of his church is that they are triumphant in what? Over top of sin, over top of death. This is how he views us. This is how he sees you. You are triumphant. Say it, I'm triumphant. This is how he created you to be. Right? So again, I'm, I'm relaying all this talking about Christian killers. So what comes along, these unforgiveness, there's these, all these feelings, and I can't control what people do to me, but they try to attach themselves to me, and the whole purpose is to get you out of who you really are. You are a child of God made in his image and his view is not for you to be beaten up or taken out because of unforgiveness. Can you see how stupid that would be? I don't got time for that. Can you see this? I, so I want you to get this attitude, man. I, I don't got time for that because this is who God made me to be. Maybe yeah, somebody wronged you, absolutely. But the greatest thing you can do is understand this is who I am. I live a triumphant life. But how come I'm not triumphing? Because these little Christian killers come in and they suck the life flow of God right out of you. And we're wondering, God, where are you? He's going, no, no, remember who you are. This is who you is, right? Okay, so how do I now become like him? If the primary purpose, if you guys go back to Romans chapter 8, 29 there for a sec, the primary purpose is to look just like him. How many of you heard that all your Christian life? Gotta look like Jesus, right? We got those little bracelets, WWJD. Remember, Jesus is not just an example for us. He's an example of who we are. This is who he is. This is who you are. So Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Look at here again for a sec. Now, I'm going to just take some time and just laying out how do we become like him. There's three steps that I have, and that's, that's it. Step number one, how do I become like him? Look at, again, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. <clears throat> that's verse 21. Wrong one, guys. Okay, for God knew his people in advance. Say, God knew me. <laughs> and he goes on to say, number one is, this is the first point, God chose me. So how do I become like Jesus? Well, you can't just become like Jesus unless you're chosen to become like him. You can't just be anything you want. You can't just do whatever you want unless God ordains it and gives it to you. I mean, John the Baptist said, I mean, he, he's just talking about the, his ministry that he had. He said, no man can do more than what heaven gives him. This is one of the greatest things that God has given us. He has not put a cap on you. 
A lot of people think they're capped. Listen, maybe people have placed caps and, you know, covers over top of you. But with God, there is no limit. The limit is Him. Isn't that wonderful? He even, Jesus even said that. The teacher will be, or the, the student will become just like the teacher. So my goal in life, my, my cap, the way that I can go, is I can be just like Him. It doesn't matter what your culture is. It doesn't matter where you come from. God says you can be just like Him. Why? Because He chose you. I'm chosen. Say it, I'm chosen. This is the first step. And this is obviously nothing to do with you. This is God on His own making a choice. So no matter how low you may feel in life right now, God's choice has not been revoked. He's not taken it away. He still chooses you. Say it, I'm chosen. Man, this is something you gotta, you can't be lazy about this. I, it gets, I get stirred up on the inside. He chose me. I'm not gonna be lazy with this choice. Man, whenever I got picked on a soccer team, I don't want to be lazy for the coach. I'm going to give him my best. He chose me to be like him. This is the greatest news. I can be just like Jesus. Everything he did, I can do. How he talked, I can talk. I can do this. Can you see that? All right. You know one of the things I love Toy Story? Anybody enjoy a good Toy Story movie? Toy Story 4 coming out soon. Yeah. But Toy Story 1. Anybody seen Toy Story 1? The very first one. I think I was like six at the time. And I remember, man, just going to the theater watching that movie, and there's this part in this movie when Buzz and Woody are stuck in this, you know, they're a pizza planet, and they're in this massive uh, spaceship with all the little green alien guys. And what happened, these green alien guys are just obsessed with the claw. The claws are master. He will chose who will go and who will stay. And he says all these things. All of a sudden, you know, they're hiding in there in Sid, you know, that really mean kid, that kid that everybody wanted to beat up as a kid right? Maybe you were the Sid. <laughs> he just comes in and all of a sudden he tries to, you know, puts his loony in and he, and he picks up one of those green guys. And what does that green guy do? He gets excited. He, what does he say? I have been chosen. Farewell, my friends. I go to a better place. How do you know? I have three kids and I watch a lot of Toy Story. <laughs> but it's the great, this is exactly God got his claw and he chose you and he called you out of that whole mix. And he said, you're going to be just like me. That's the call. So let me encourage you, when you get picked, don't go, oh, shoot, I'm picked. Or when you get picked and you can just kind of do nothing with it. Well, this is just my life. No, you're picked. Get excited about it. This is, I know this is a global thing, but you've got to make this personal. Because Jesus said again in his word, Matthew 22, he said that many are called, but few are chosen. Why are few chosen? Because few actually take on the responsibility of owning that call. He called me. I'm going to do everything I can with this call. And this is it. Notice this. You'd be called to be like his son. So before you're a teacher, before I'm a pastor, before you're a parent, before you do anything else in life, this is your primary goal. is to become just like his son. Do you know that would help your marriage? <laughs> Did you know that would help parenting? Did you know that you'd be a great boss, you'd be a great employee by becoming just like his son? That'll, that'll change everything. You'd be a great Canadian citizen. If you became and looked just like Jesus, what if you had a bunch of Jesuses in Canada? Praise the Lord, glory. Everything would just change. But what is it? So we got to own this call. He called you. So that's step number one. And I love that that's God's move. Then number two, are you ready? I want you to go to Mark chapter three. And just for time's sake, I'm going to just, you know, the, when God chose you, another verse of scripture is John 15, 16. Jesus says these words. He said, I... You didn't choose me, I chose you. 
So even in this Christian life, don't ever think that you chose Jesus. You didn't choose Him. <laughs> he chose you. Think about that in that way. You are just smart enough to agree with His choice. He picked you out and all you had to do is say, Jesus, I declare that you are Lord. And by doing that, you are acknowledging that choice. So that's the smartest thing you've ever done. We got smart people in the house today. Yes, we do. We got some smart folk by just declaring Jesus is Lord. Okay, so number two then now. So if number one is God's part, this is only on Him. Number two then becomes my responsibility. Now, you know, in this Christian life, did you know that you have a responsibility? It's not just all up to God. Absolutely. If it was all ups to God, then everything would be amazing. But it's not all up to God. Mankind have choice. That's the whole reason. I think the most powerful verse of, or the powerful words in the Bible is God is love. Because this love now gives reason why mankind has free choice. It makes sense to all this by God is love because love gives you choice. That's what pure love does. You can do with whatever you want. This call even goes out. You can do whatever you want with this call that He chose you to be like His Son. You can do whatever you want with it. You can ignore it. You can embrace it. It's totally in your hands. Why? Because He loves you. And even if you don't want to do anything like that with the call, guess what? He'll still love you. All it is, you've just got to be missing out on a lot that He's called you to but the other hand, if you embrace it, guess what? He loves you. His love is never going to change for you. So again, number two, Mark, Mark chapter three, verse 13 through 15. I'm going to read these to you. Again, this is right after Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And right afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain. And notice, what did he do? You see it on the screen? And he called out. You have been chosen. It was it. I've been chosen. He called out what? The ones he wanted. He called you. He wants you. He called out the ones he wanted to do what? To go with him. Not just to be part of a Jesus you know, social fan club. Not just to follow him on Twitter. Not just to you know, be Instagram buddies. I've called you to be with me. I called you to go with me. This is the same call. And then he says, notice those next five words, and you can't just blank over those. Those are the most powerful words for you and I to see. And they came to him. This is our responsibility. You can't give that to anybody else. You can't let your spouse decide that for you. You can't make your kids do this. This is a call that everybody has to answer on the inside. You know, this call to be just like Jesus, it's a call. It's an inward life call. It's an inner life. It's not anything you can do out here. It's something that you answer on the inside and you say, Jesus, I want it. And let me tell you this. I've, in my own you know, few years of experience following him hardcore, I can see there is places in him that you can't ever see just scratching the surface with him. There is some, I mean, the song that we sang deeper and deeper still, I love that song because there is so much depth to him than what you're experiencing. You may see a little tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah, that's... That's kind of cute. I like that, Jesus. That's pretty fun. But once you go a little bit further, that's what? It opens up a whole new, oh, man. There's so much more to this man. And you just keep peeling back layer after layer. And man, what do you start to see? You have a relationship with him. Things become intimate. And man, there is nothing better than that. That's what we want. Anybody else want that? And guess what? The cool thing is, is he chose you for it. So you don't have to go, oh God, please, I want this, I want this relationship. Listen, he wants it more, more, more badly than you do. 
But he's waiting on an inward call on the inside, an inner response saying, yes, I want it. And I don't know about you, but there's something about it. I, I, I crave this. I can't be satisfied with anything else. Mexico was great, but it doesn't satisfy the longing that I have on the inside of me. A bigger paycheck isn't going to solve the problem. Another spouse isn't going to fix the problem. What is it? It is answering this call on the inside and going for it. And they came to him. They came to him. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to these men. Okay. Now, just a quick little time out. How do they or how do I come to him? Now, this is going to be very practical, very simple. How do I come to Jesus? I come to Jesus by coming to his word. That's it. I come to Jesus by coming to his word because Jesus and his word are one. So time spent in the word is time spent with the actual man, Jesus. Now, I know you've heard this, but we got to get this. When you spend time in the word, it is never wasted time. It can't be wasted. You're having an intimate conversation with Jesus himself. Okay? And I was just, you know, I'm going to just read this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14. You know, growing up in, I grew up in this church. I mean, this is, this is kind of it for me. <laughs> I grew up going to church and I remember, you know, Sunday night, we, every time the church doors were open, I was in church. Any other, you know, PKs or church folk in the house that every time that the doors were open, guess what? You were there. No. Oh, there we go. Okay. There's, okay. <laughs> there's something different when you brought up in this kind of stuff. It's a little different. I remember times when, you know, if you're not, you're not feeling very well. And that rather than, you know, some parents would let you just watch some cartoons and, you know, just feel better. We would watch Gospel Bill. Anybody remember Gospel Bill? Yeah, Gospel Bill folk in the house. You got Nicodemus. You got Gospel Bill. You got Elmer Fudd. You got all these guys. And what do they do? They're constantly just speaking the word. This is how we grew up. I remember after dinner, my dad would just lead us in a march. And we'd be marching around the kitchen, praying in tongues and speaking things. And we would just be declaring, I'm strong in the Lord. We'd just be, I'm strong in the Lord, diaper and all. And I got, of course, because I was a Gospel Bill fan, I had, uh, actually, for those of you who don't know, I, I did a, an interview for Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Anybody see that testimony? Well, I, they actually got a picture. I have uh, my diaper on and I got a holster on. Locked and loaded. Diaper full and all. And I remember just saying, like, and, you know, they wanted to hear that, so I shared the testimony. But I remember at that time, and we would just be, you know, diaper full, holsters full, and here we'd be going. We'd just be marching around the house, and I can do all things through Christ. Bang! Who strengthens me? Bang, 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 bang. And the great thing is, learning to evangelize at that age, you would just shoot the bad guy, run up to them real quick and say, hey, pray this prayer with me before you die. Do you know Jesus? You don't care. Say this. Declare this. Jesus is Lord. And they would say it, and then they would die. They would go to heaven. Now, if that's not a way to evangelize, I don't know what is. So, <laughs> just kidding. If this goes online, I'm just kidding, just to make sure I don't get anybody coming after me. Okay. But, you know, growing up in these types of things, you can tend to take some of these things that we've heard over these years for granted. You could hear it and kind of go, oh, yeah, I've heard all that before, and yeah, I've heard that before. Don't you guys got anything new? Isn't there anything new? Well, according to the Bible, there's nothing new under the sun. Sure, you can go greater depths in Revelation, absolutely. But I want to just show you this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14. Paul, talking to a young pastor at this time, Timothy, who grew up in this strong household of faith arena. And he just he says these words to, to Timothy. Uh, you know, if you have it in the New King James, it brings it out good. But it says, you must remain faithful 
to the things that you have been taught. You know, in the New King James, it says, yeah, thank you, but you must continue. You know, sometimes it takes just as much effort to continue as it is to look for something new. You got to continue in the things that you have learned. What have you learned? What do you know? You know about the, the, the new birth. Don't let that ever be on. Oh, no, hold on to those things. You've heard about what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. I know that's what this church was. We've been preaching that for years. Don't lose sight of those things. We talked about by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. We keep proclaiming these same truths over and over. Maybe, of course, the, the method, the style may have to change to adjust the culture, but the word does not change. That never changes. So he's encouraging, Timothy, and I think I want to encourage you at the same time, whatever you've heard, continue in it. Go deep in it. And I mean, I just shared this yesterday. Just one of the things that the Lord, just sharing with me, I'm, I'm kind of for a little while, it felt like I was going in a little bit of a lull. Anybody ever had a lull moment? Okay, you just kind of, you know, everything's just kind of, ah, you know, same old, just, uh, I don't know, Lord, I just kind of, something new. I just need something new. And uh, you know what? The Lord actually just showed me this in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. I'll just read it to you. And, uh, <clears throat> and of course, at, at the beach, <laughs> as I was sitting there, just thinking about some of these verses in Hebrews chapter 2. And, uh, you know, I was out at the beach. Jamie's really good at reading books. And so she's really good at reading books. That means I have to be really good at making friends. <laughs> <laughs> So we go to this all-inclusive and thank God, like these guys are here for a long period of time too. So I'm like, hey, we might as well be friends. I, I, I'm just thinking. I, you, I, and these guys say, hey, do you want to play some volleyball? So I played volleyball with them once and they suck. They're so bad at volleyball. But hey, just being the, the nice guy, good try, but maybe next time use your hands. Or you know what, next, why don't you maybe just, you know, you need, why don't you go run in the ocean, get a little bit of a break, you look hot. Uh, but anyways, I, I, being in the ocean, and I was talking to some people at the same time. And I remember, you know, so here I am. And I'm looking at this thing and I can see where I'm at. I can see my blanket. I can see my, you know, backpack. I can see Jamie sitting right next to me. And as you're kind of talking, they had a lot of seaweed in this ocean. And uh, so what you're kind of doing is you're kind of dodging it just so you don't get hit by it. And you're kind of moving around because it's kind of weird and it's kind of rough, right? And you're just doing all these types of things. And over time, remember I was talking to this other guy and all of a sudden I'm done. I'm looking, I'm just to head back. And I've realized that my towel... Jamie is not there. Huh? And all of a sudden looking over, oh, she's way over there. I drifted. I moved away. And this is what this, the Hebrews chapter 2, 1 tells us. So he said, listen caref very carefully to the truth that you have heard or you may drift away from it. Nobody drifts away on purpose. I didn't want to go. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that view. I'm out of here. And I'm just starting dog paddling away. It's not that I want, but by accident, by default, by not just really paying attention, I drifted away and all of a sudden here I am. It's the same way in your in my life. All of a sudden you're realizing, how did I get in this mess? How did I get here? You drifted. It's the answer right here. God never left you. God, nobody ever left you. You, say me, drifted. And people will just say, oh, you know, the church did this and this person did this. It ain't nobody's fault. You drifted. Can you see this? But God gets so much blame for all this stuff, not realizing your job is to be very careful to the truth that you heard. Hold on to it. Why? Because if you don't, all of a sudden you're here and your beliefs are so squirrely now. Uh, listen, I know the, I've had pastor friends who all of a sudden you get away from the word, you get weird. They're universalist mindsets now. 
that God is just, everybody's fine, everybody's just going to go to heaven, and God's just big sugar daddy up there. You are messed up. Why? Because that's not what the truth of the Word of God says. What happened? They drifted. So this is why in this day and age that we live in, you have got to hold on to what you've been taught. Hold on to that Word as if your life depends on it, because guess what? It does your entire existence, your family needs you strong and anchored in the truth of what this word says. And what happens? Offense, bitterness, envy, strife. All these things try to creep in to get you away from the truth of this word. You may be right. Somebody may have done you wrong. But guess what? The whole purpose of that is to take the word away from you. And what happens? You're left wondering, what's going on in my life? You've departed from the truth. Something, an alien force came in and you're now believing something that nobody ever told you. Oh, can you see that? Okay, I'm, that was a little bit off topic, but it's all good. So how do I come to him? I come to him by coming to his word. Hang on to this word. Got to just get back to basic Bible reading. Then secondly, what happens when I come to him? Now this is the part that I think the Lord just revealed this to me when I was in Mexico. But first of all, how I approach the Word is how I approach God. If I approach the Word like, oh, again, it's so boring. Guess what? You think God is boring. Because the Word is alive. It's supposed to be talking to you. That's the, what the Word is designed to do, right? It's called the Word, the spoken Word, right? You can just yell at me. This, we're, we're okay here? Okay. This is the whole purpose of what the Word So my approach to the Word. So when I go to the Word... I'm not going at it to prove somebody wrong. I'm not looking to get ammo to prove that I'm right to my wife. I'm not reading it with the intention to prove that every other denomination is wrong and I'm right. I know I got to say this because there's a lot of people that think that they're just, they're getting ammo ready to blast something. That's not what it's for. The word of God is for you to be a pupil in. So my approach, when I have, I got my white chair I've talked to you about. My white chair, when I sit in that white chair, I'm not here to correct God. I'm not here to prove that he's wrong and I'm right in this situation. I'm not here to say, oh yeah, I already knew that. I am here as a learner. I am here to get instruction. I am here to be taught. I am here to be disciplined. No matter what it looks like, God, what do you have for me? My mind is open for you to change if it need be. That's a good place to be. That's the approach that I have for the word. So, now when I come to his word, this is what I found. Matthew chapter 4, 17. This is Jesus' first words in public ministry. These are the first message he proclaimed after, you know, he got baptized. He was in, in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights being tempted of the devil. Then he came out. It says he was strong in the spirit. He came out of this whole thing and his first message, love, love himself, right? God is love. Jesus is God. Jesus is love. Love himself said these words. It says from that time Jesus began to preach. How many know Jesus is the preacher? I'm excited to be in his meetings when we get to heaven. Woo, man. man you, you've heard some good preachers. There ain't nobody preach like this man. Man, what does he do? What's his first word? Come on, like, a, like pretend you're a preacher. Come on, what, what, what does it sound like? Repent! Remember, this is not a call for outward change. He's not talking about your outer life. Stop being bad. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. That's religion. That's not Jesus. Jesus' call to come to him is an inward call. So he says, repent. 
And the Amplify lays it out so clearly, it's the Greek. It says, change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Regret past sins. Live your life in a way that proves repentance. Prove it. You declare Jesus as Lord? Prove it. Then he says, um, seek God's purpose for your life. Why repent? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the way that the Lord showed it to me when I was in Mexico, just sitting down under the palm tree nicely, is this, I have to enter a repent and believe cycle. This is the cycle. I, this is not going to be my lifelong cycle, how I live life. It is going to be repenting and believing. Other translations of Rome, Matthew 4, 17 says, repent and believe the gospel. This is Jesus' words. Now, what does it mean to repent? Remember, not these signs, because you know, right away we have in our mental you know, thinking, or at least I do, these guys with big signs that turn or burn, repent, or you're all doomed. There's a, there's a form in there that's true. I, I get that. But what Jesus is saying here, he's saying change the way you think. Change it. Because, how many of you again declare Jesus is Lord? So spiritually speaking, you are fine. There is nothing wrong with your spirit. You have been born again. Right? Where does the problem happen? It's in my soul. The body just follows. Forget the, listen, forget the body. Leave the body out of this for a moment. Let's talk about the soul. Because how your soul is, it'll affect your body. Think it here, feel it there. This is where it is. Right here. So how I am doing. What's going on in your soul? And this is Jesus' whole ministry is He's calling men back to get their soul straight. Jesus took care of the Spirit. There's nothing you can do spiritually to ever fix it. There's nothing you can do. That was completely God's work of His great love for us. He killed that spiritual man by putting Jesus on the cross. He put all of the sin on Him so that now we are made righteous before Him. Right? That's who you are. I'm righteous before God, spiritually speaking. Now what needs a changing is in my soul. And this is Jesus' whole ministry. He came here and said, repent, change the way that you think. So when I get into my white chair, I sit and this is the attitude, Lord, I'm here to learn. So I enter this cycle of repentance, Lord. I, yeah, Lord, I, he showed me something in his word. I, I, man, I did not see it that way. Lord, I repent for that way of thinking. And it's not this whole, oh God, I'm just so sorry. No, it's just, okay, that's this way. Now I'm going this way. That's all that it is. Can you see that? Wrong? Okay, got it. Right? Okay, let's go this way. That's all that it is. Repentance is wonderful. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing. So this is the cycle that we enter. Do you have to repent and believe Jesus? You don't. <laughs> it's your choice. You declare Jesus as Lord, rock on. That's the first step. Now you enter an entire life cycle of repenting and believing from old mindsets. Remember, you were taken out of darkness. So he knows the kingdom you came out of. There's mindsets, there's ways of thinking, there's ways of behaving. All in this world over here, he understands that. So he's saying, I'm going to show you a different way. And this is why does he proclaim this? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is why he wants you to repent. What is the kingdom of heaven? Is it just heaven itself? No. It, what is it? It's a form of government. It's a culture of heaven. And it's on the inside of you. It's here. Come on, somebody. The kingdom of heaven is right here. So he's saying, do you want to see it? Do you want it to be released? How many of you want that released? And a lot of times we just go, God, we want to experience your kingdom. That's great. He wants you to experience it. But what is it going to require for me to experience it? 
What's the cycle? Repent and believe something else. It's a deep longing for. It's a truth. Lord, I want what you got to say. And I repent of that old mindset. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> and as you go on to say, like, I love this just for time's sake, but you read the rest of Matthew 4. Right after he gave this message, he came across and he found his first four disciples on the beach. What did he tell them? Follow me. So what does that mean? And the same, again, the exact same invitation is given to you. Follow me. What does that mean? I get on the same road that he's on. I follow him. This is where he's leading me? Okay. I'm finding, man, we're finding to follow the Lord in our vacation. Hello, somebody. You got to follow him. If he's the Lord, that means he is the boss in your house. Everything. Jesus, here is my finances. Here are my children. Here is my relationship with my spouse. Here is my job. Here is my life. Here is my vacation. Here is everything about me, and I'm putting you at the center of the whole thing. And in doing so, he led us to go to Mexico. We had different ideas and different thoughts, but we were led this way. And guess what? It was exactly what we needed. I heard him speak there. But a lot of times we just think, oh, I got this. I'm going to just plan all this. And all. if I can just let him be the Lord. Let him. <laughs> Am I getting through? Okay. Please, just for your own sake and for your children's sake, they need to see Jesus being Lord of your life. Okay. Next. So number one is he chose you. Number two is, I come to him. Number three then is, now I have to allow, just tying in with this last point, I have to allow what he says in his word to shape my thinking. Second yeah. Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. This is, I love these. Right after church, I encourage you sometime today, read Second Corinthians chapter 3. And it talks about the old veil of the Old Testament, how Moses was on the Mount Sinai getting downloaded from heaven the Ten Commandments. You know, God wrote on those, those tablets, and here it was. Moses came down off that mountain, and what happened? He was glowing, right? And all of a sudden, people looked at him like, man, we can't even see you, Moses. So what did they do? They had to put a veil over his face so that people could actually see him. Well, now, this is what anybody, it says this in 2 Corinthians 3, I believe it's 15 or so. Anyone who declares that Jesus is Lord, guess what? The veil is removed. So now you can see Jesus for who he really is in his word. The veil's gone. It's gone. And now he says, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil we all become. Now notice this. Without the veil now being there, notice what we can all be. We can all become mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. So when people see me, what are they actually seeing? Him. They see a reflection of Him. And then He says, we are being transfigured. Notice it doesn't say you are transfigured. This is a process. This takes time. Right? We are being transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord. And it says, who is the Spirit? But if you keep going, go back there for a sec, the verse part. I love those words that we are being transfigured. Now, what is that word transfigured? It's metamorphosis, right? Metamorpho in the Greek, metamorphosis is where we get that word from. And what is that like? It's like that caterpillar who goes into a cocoon, hangs out in there for a certain amount of time. And what happens when he comes out of there? Man, all of a sudden he's got wings. 
The Bible will give you wings. Forget Red Bull. The Bible will give you wings. <laughs> really, you come crawling into the presence of God like a worm, like a caterpillar. What happens when you get out? I believe I can fly. Woo! I believe I can... T All of a sudden, you've got different thoughts. Why? Because you are being transfigured. How does this transfiguration come? It comes by, now Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, it has everything to do with your mind. Everything is there. Go there real quick. Sec, Romans chapter 12, I won't show you this and I'll close up. Uh, sorry, did you want me to sing to you again? Is that what you're all waiting for? Okay, yeah, I, I know, I know. It's because I got a tan. That's why I can do that. Romans chapter 12. No, I'll just turn that in real quickly. It says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. He's pleading with us. The Holy Spirit, not just Paul, the Holy Spirit is pleading with you. I'm begging you, give your bodies to God. Why does he say bodies? Why does he say mind? Because when you give him your body, God can get access to your mind. Your body wants to go all the time. It wants to check out what this is, God is saying. Got to check out my social media over here. Got to check what's the score on this channel. Got to see what's on this channel. As humans, we are so... We are obsessed with everything going on out here. We are junkies for stuff. We need the activity. We need all this. It took Jamie and I about three days. When we got on holidays, it took me, I know, three days to shut up. Seriously, I'm just like... All the time. And finally, after those three days... I, all of a sudden, James looked at me like, I like vacation, Joel. Yeah, girl, you do. Let's go get another milkshake. Like, you, it's just, you can just enjoy. Ah, so it's important for your rest. It's important you have a Sabbath. You need that. God commands you. If you don't take a Sabbath in the Old Testament, you'd be dead. Do you see how serious it is? So he's telling you, give your bodies to God. Give it to him. Why? So he, if you can sit still long enough, then he can start to do a work. Ah, these last 10 days that I had in Mexico were glorious. And you don't have to go to Mexico. You can go to Innisfail. <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> but man, I've all, what happened on the inside of me, God does such a work on the inside. He doesn't, all this other stuff will take care when you get your inner life focused. He takes care of it. So he says, give your, of all he's done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly a way to worship him. Then he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Why? So then you will be learned to know God's will for you, which is good pleasing and perfect we're trying to figure out what's god's thinking on this we're trying to figure out what's god's will in this meanwhile we're running around all over the place you gotta get still let him have access to you this is it this is the greatest thing that you could do it could save you a ton of money if you would just sit still and listen think about that for a sec the lord knows and right what we do we just throw a prayer at it Right, okay, well, God, if you could just take care of this financial thing. And meanwhile, you are on the go. Have you stopped to hear what he's got to say? C can you see this? This is vital. If we are called disciples of Jesus, the Bible says, prove it. And how do we prove it? Not by our Instagram and how cute our posts are. Or I throw a scripture up on Facebook and, oh, I got a few likes, oh, I encourage the person. No, prove it by your lifestyle, not what you post. 
That means nothing what you post. But listen, we live in a generation, if you just hit like, I'm against abortion, double clap, like, you've done your part, you've done nothing. Can you see this? I know I'm talking to my generation now. That's more of a millennial thing, right? You just, this is it. The Bible says, prove it. How do you prove it? By getting still on the inside. Let him change you from the inside out and you'll find out all he's got to do. So from this place, we are going to go from here and talk about some of these Christian killers because again, what is the purpose of all the Christian killers? Is to get you off of who you really are. You are a child of the most high God. That is who you are. That's why I will not have strife in my marriage. It's not a matter of who's right. Normally, I'm always right. So Jamie, bless her heart, just... <laughs> we'll talk about this later. Okay, I figured. <laughs> but even if, if there's a disagreement, I'm not going to fight. That we, we want unity. We're fighting for each other. I'm on her team. I'm with this girl. Nobody will ever separate us. I'm with her. So this is what we fight for. And this thing is so crazy that all these things happen. I understand there's a whole process to that. We, we'll talk about some of those things. But at the same time, never forget who you are. That man, you are way too good to be in strife. You are way, too, you are way more important than what somebody did to you. Don't let that, uh, that bitterness just eat at your heart. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You got a call that you have to fulfill. You got a God that you have to serve, and He's calling you for some deep things. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we'd love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.